0: Welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Really FM Network. I'm Quinn Rose and I'm here as always with my co-host Jillian Parker. Hey everyone, hey Quinn. Hello. I would first like to apologize for everyone for the sound of my voice, because I'm sick. And I may or may not make it to the end of the episode, but we'll find
1: out. So, Quinn's voice on a sick day is, like, better than my voice, like, on the best day possible after, like, 20 cups of tea with honey and some divine intervention.
0: I'd like to point out that none of that was true, but at any rate, I'm ill. We're going to see if my voice lasts for an hour. Okay. (laughs)
1: Let's play that game. But none of it matters, because guess what's tonight? What's tonight? John Mulaney! Ah! Me and Quinn are seeing John Mulaney tonight, and we are so excited. He's, it's the premiere of his new... Stand up special, uh Kid Gorgeous, and I'm very excited.
0: Yeah, and if you don't know who John Mulaney is, he's a stand up comedian. Also, why don't you know who John Mulaney is? He's so funny.
1: It's he's hilarious. It's so funny because like this guy that I was dating in my old school like introduced me to him, and I like we we were like hanging out, and he's like, oh, want to watch something like really cool? And he started showing me John Mulaney, and then I was like, and then I we started watching it, and then I like turns off for a second, and I was like, I don't think we should like be together and he was like what and I was and then we had like this whole thing and then he left and I was like I can now watch John Mulaney by myself.
0: It's <laughs> a really weird story. One time I was breaking up with a partner and um it was like a really long conversation and in the middle of the conversation we watched one of John Mulaney's stand-up specials. Interesting. Because we had watched it together like a few times and then we were just like We like, let's take a break,
1: and then like watch John Mulaney, and then went back to breaking up. Oh my god, wow, classic. Just something about John Mulaney and breakups. Apparently. Maybe it's just because we all secretly want to date John Mulaney. I I, think that's it.
0: I also just want to share that, that, first of all, that's just you. And (laughs) second of all, um, Julia and I also figured out we both like John Mulaney, one time when she... I think that like I quoted him and then you continued the quote and then you were like that's why I say because you hate me all the time because Mm -hmm. that's a John Mulaney quote.
1: Yes. Like what is that from? It's from
0: the Airlines.
1: (laughs) No, because we hate And jillian has (laughs) gone. so catholic well he's not actually that catholic but i love him because he was raised catholic
0: he he has comedy bits about catholicism and they're very funny if you grew up catholic anyway all that aside we love john Melanie. by the time you hear this episode we will have already gone to see him and i'm sure we will have tweeted about it but i'm sure also that it's gonna be the best night ever
1: this is true this is objectively true
0: so let's continue on this uh train of good feelings and kick off today with some good news Marriage equality!
1: Yay! Marriage equality in Australia. Um, on a previous episode, we talked about how it's funny because there are a lot of differences between Australia and the United States, and Australia is just like everyone thinks of Australia as this really cool place with kangaroos and koalas, and everyone's laid back and also, just like
0: other animals that want to kill you. But okay,
1: carry on. Yes, there are a lot of poisonous animals in Australia, um, but everyone's like beautiful and tan and serfs. but. Australia just did not, until very recently, did not have marriage equality. Well, they still technically don't, but they did pass
0: a vote that said that over sixty percent of Australians want marriage equality. So there we go.
1: Yes, yes, indeed.
0: And the the premise of this vote is that the idea is the next thing that will pass is a law saying, "Hey, here's actual marriage equality." Yeah. And I'm so excited about this I'm, on so many levels. Like, obviously, this is super important to me, and I think it's wonderful that this, like, fundamental right is being shared in more places. But I also have a personal friend um, who is gay and Australian, and he, she is so excited about this, and I just love that. Um, and I'm, I'm having a great day, guys. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, I love love. Well, no, I don't, but I love marriage equality and love <laughs> equality. <laughs> I want everyone to suffer from love just as much as I can, says Jillian. (laughs) The suffering you receive from love builds character, and everyone should have an equal opportunity to do that. Wow. Man. (laughs) That should
0: be our new constitution. (laughs) (laughs) So to review the exact numbers for a sec, um, so about 12.7 million Australians voted, which is about... 79.5% Seventy-nine point five percent of voting age Australians, um, which is a really high percentage. That's like way higher participation rates than the U- U.S. gets. Wow, shocker! Yeah, no, really. Um, which sixty-one point six percent voted yes, and thirty-eight point four percent voted no. Hmm. Boo. But this is a this is a high this is a high majority um, in terms of voting. So that's amazing. Unfortunately, this is not a binding survey. Um, This is not, like, voting on a law that now must be passed. But this is a big deal. And, it, like, especially because it was so definitive, it wasn't, like, a 50-50 situation. Like, a 60-40 is, like, woo, we really want marriage equality. Yes, um, indeed. Yeah, and so now, like, of course, all of the politicians who are in favor of this are, like, all right, like, let's do this. Like, let's get this law. And so hopefully there will be relatively few barriers at this point to actually getting the law passed. Mm-hmm
1: exactly i just love like i just love marriage equality i don't know i mean it's just funny because so my family is obviously very very conservative and like i was raised catholic but my parents were like super into like marriage equality and like they still are obviously um but it's just funny because like when people are like oh like do you believe in marriage equality and they're like yes and they're like well what if you're like super catholic and you don't believe in marriage equality and it's like still you should believe in like the legal passing of marriage equality because separation of church and state (laughs)
0: Yeah. That's, like, that's wild to me. There are some people who take, like, the very hard stance that marriage should not be a state function at all. That's like, there should be, like, a religious, like, marriage, and then there should be, like, a state function of, like, something else. Yeah. That, like and i can I can understand that stance um if you believe that it should just be like a purely religious thing do you believe that sh- there should be something like equal under the law for all people I'm not sure that like religion has the original or like strongest claim to the word marriage. I really don't know, um so I'm not gonna touch that issue, but I can understand that um but if you are just using like oh it like churches shouldn't be required to hold gay weddings so you shouldn't like be able to get gay married um which the more that i say gay married it becomes funnier to me like going to a gay grocery shop but anyway uh (laughs) that doesn't make any sense because it's like no like of course like churches aren't going to be required to hold like religious ceremonies in that way there are plenty of churches that are happy to hold gay weddings um Mm -hmm. we really don't need to like to to mess with the other ones. It's not like a cake shop where you're legally required to serve all customers because that's how the economy works. Um, I'm ranting a little bit. I'm sorry. You can tell.
1: Oh, yeah. The libertarian stance on gay marriage is that, well, the libertarian stance on marriage is that there should not be marriage. (laughs) Um, But if there is marriage, then the state should offer it to everyone equally. So... I'm so not surprised by any of this. (laughs) um, So I was like... The professor or whatever he was like yeah so this is the one thing libertarians have won and i'm like i don't think libertarians personally won
0: this but i think libertarians may have just been like a side recipient of this yeah
1: yeah they were definitely not leading the crusade yeah i don't really think so
0: like, never, i don't see like <laughs> don't step on me also let everyone get married like that's not a thing no, it's like <laughs> dems
1: gay marriage and then republicans no gay marriage and then libertarians no marriage <laughs> there are there is obviously
0: a darker side to all of this which is even though this is a very happy result there's a couple of like really pressing questions one why the hell did this have to happen in the first place because it it was a very expensive thing like this was a mail-in referendum um on a non-binding poll and it was like what what the hell australia just passed marriage equality this was a completely pointless not a pointless exercise i don't mean that at all but um like it shouldn't have had to happen Um, because it just wasted a lot of money and two like the the fact that in like a first world country like australia that things like your right to marry someone you love and get equal protection under the law is still up for public debate is just mind-boggling
1: number one to your first part about being it about it being overly expensive it's Go, it's nice to see, well, not really nice to see, that governments outside the U.S. are completely inefficient.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: you're not wrong. <laughs> True. Um, and then, yeah, and then the second part is just like, why is this still questioned?
0: <laughs> yeah. This is something that the older I get and the more, like, entrenched understanding of equality that I have just makes me angrier and angrier. Like, why? Why is it not legal for consenting adults to get married what possible logic
1: yeah and like some people's arguments were like well if you don't allow like if you allow gay marriage and that opens up the door between like getting married to your dog and i'm like i don't think it does <laughs> can your dog consent to a marriage no can your Problem dog <laughs> solved <laughs> like really like do people think about the logic behind these arguments yeah also yeah also who is the person who that's the first thing
0: they think of yeah do you want to marry your dog good sir (laughs) (laughs) because that's not an urge that i have
1: no i do love my dog though
0: at any rate despite the ongoing issues of the human race and the inefficiency of government good news overall this is great stuff, and I'm really excited for Australia and the whole world as we continue to move forward with equality. Love it. Thank you.
1: Peace, love, Australia. Um, so election day was last week, uh, November 7th, on the Tuesday, and Democrats brought home a lot of big trophies. Well, not actual trophies, just, like, metaphorical trophies. They won a lot of elections, is <laughs> what I'm trying to say. so
0: funny if it was, like... <laughs> Like the Oscars or something, and when you win an election, when you get your give your acceptance speech for the position, they also just hand you this little trophy, but it just has like like a little American flag on it or something. That's I don't
1: know. so cute. I'm not gonna fund that. No, my tax dollars will not be paying for that. <laughs> no, no, no.
0: <laughs> but yeah, lots of big wins um for Democrats, which honestly, considering how last year it went, was a big relief. I think a lot of people were really scared. Um because kind of last year in 2016, Democrats were really hopeful on Election Day. Um, Hillary Clinton was projected to be the winner by most um, news outlets. And so everyone was kind of like really excited. I know I was really excited. And then all my hopes and dreams were crushed in front of me. And I had one of the most traumatic nights of my life, you know. Um, and so on Election Day 2017 rolls around, which is a lot less major, Um But we did have a bunch of governors up for election, um, and a lot of, like, state seats all over the place, and so it was important, um, and we go in, and everyone's really cautious, um, and kind of scared about it, and then results start coming in, and oh-ho-ho, Democrats are winning, um, not universally, obviously, because that's not how democracy works, but, like, a lot of really important wins happened last week, um, and first of all, there was a lot of, there's a lot of um, tangible stuff that can happen from that, which is really cool. But it also was just like, felt so nice. Like, oh my God, hope. I forgot what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. <Woo. laughs> Republic in the room. Very silent.
1: <laughs> it's not even that. I just like want a, one libertarian governor out there. I don't think that's asking for much.
0: I feel like. I don't know. A libertarian governor seems like that's a little, I'm not sure how well a state would do if it was libertarian. Well, I guess maybe if you have like a really small state, like a libertarian like, like Rhode Island. Delaware. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Maybe that would be like an interesting uh, experiment, experiment. A social experiment. I will run for governor <laughs> of Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As you don't live in Rhode Island. Good luck. <laughs> oh, can you imagine me as a libertarian governor? People being like, Jillian, like, this needs to get done. And I'm like, does it, though? Does it really? i just having a huge flag, like, behind my desk that says, don't tread on me. <laughs> this is going to be my nightmares. <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. I'd be so fun. As a governor.
0: <laughs> That's what I want to hear from my governor. I'd be so fun.
1: <laughs> I would cut taxes for
0: everyone. <laughs> Y'all, I just can't wait until next year when we can hopefully vote my friggin' governor out of office. Who's your governor? LePage. Oh. Um, For anyone who's not familiar with Maine politics, which I would be shocked if you're not from Maine and are familiar with Maine politics, Governor LePage is the person who before... The 2016 election, they wrote articles about how he's, like, mini-Trump, and that, like, by electing Trump, you will get what happened to Maine, like, to happening to the rest of the country. And they're not wrong. He is a really angry, like, brash, arrogant, racist, frankly, doesn't seem that particularly intelligent man, um, and has not done good things. No. But he's our governor. (laughs) Doesn't mean you have to respect him. I don't believe in respecting authority for authority's sake. I believe that there's a certain like the most libertarian thing you've ever said, (laughs) and it's brought tears to my eyes. Oh, well, seriously, I mean, like authority carries with it respect because presumably they've done something to earn that authority, and like he's earned the vote of the people, and so like. I can respect that some people have voted him into office, but that doesn't mean I respect what he does when he gets there. Like, I'm not saying he was improperly voted in. I'm just saying I don't like what he's doing.
1: That's totally fair.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, speaking of governors, uh, some of the big wins of Election Day 2017 were um, Democratic governors um, elected in New Jersey and Virginia. Um, and Ralph Norton in Virginia was probably the biggest race of the night. Uh, so it was really exciting to see him win that. Um, but there are also some really cool, like, historic victories in other places. Danica Rome won a seat in the House of Delegates in Virginia, um, which is... I think that she got probably the most attention of any win that happened this night. Because first of all, she is the first openly transgender candidate who was elected to a state legislator in American history. But it was also just a really cool thing because she um, defeated a social conservative, like a huge social conservative who who dubbed himself chief homophobe. Um, he was trying to to spearhead a new trans bathroom bill, like the kind that they have in North Carolina. Um, He refused to call her by her proper pronoun and made the whole race like about the fact that she's transgender um, and he's so disgusted by her and all and just being horrible. And she ran on a platform that was actually here are the issues that matter to my constituents or her uh, future constituents. Here are the things that I think matter. Here's what I will do as your representative. This is not about my identity. This is me believing that like I can serve you that as best as I possibly can. And people were like yeah like i agree with her and they elected her as their representative and i think that's awesome
1: that's so awesome yes i love it huge fan um yeah so that's good oh also i was talking just this is like kind of a tangent but like regarding the bathroom bill um And my parents like still very conservative they were like yeah no like i understand like why we should have like neutral like like gender neutral bathrooms and stuff but then my dad was like i understand like the whole identity thing and like yeah we probably should have gender neutral bathrooms but like i just feel like you're not supposed to spend that much time in bathrooms anyway and it's a lot of time going over like five minutes of your day and i was just like
0: you know what's so funny As i totally get his point but i feel like that's a that's just um the point of like people shouldn't care this much like what bathroom transgender people are using like it's five minutes please please calm down (laughs) um there's also this is just reminding me of it there's this series called sitting in bathrooms with trans people that dylan Marin did um and it's it's absolutely delightful and it um i'm gonna link in the description if you want to check it out because it's just like people hanging out in bathrooms and just talking about their lives mostly
1: that's so funny (laughs) yeah my dad's like, you get in, you get out. And I'm like, okay, dad, <laughs> simmer.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, there were a couple other um, history-making transgender people elected to positions, like Andrea Jenkins, who won a city council seat um, in Minneapolis, or Tyler Titus, who became uh, a member of the Erie School Board in Pennsylvania, which is really close to where my family lives, which is pretty cool. And basically, just a lot of other really cool Democratic wins, which um, point towards hope of um, better local and state policies, which, of course, are, are really, like, the meat and potatoes of the American politics and are what matters the most in a lot of ways. So, yay. And yay for this. I mean, it's clearly... Um, It's about these candidates and it's about the great work that they've done. And it's also, on one level, like a strike back against Trump because he is an intensely unpopular president um, and has an extremely low approval rating. So it's really not that surprising that people are not necessarily sticking with traditional Republican candidates in
1: that sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's how the cookie crumbles.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I love cookies, especially when they're made with almond milk so let's really get to the crux of the matter here and talk about some hard press pressing journalism i'm sure as everyone is aware
0: and we had a national holiday last friday because it was taylor swift day
1: (laughs) taylor swift released her sixth album reputation with a lowercase r
0: also i just want to clarify that i said national holiday but it's an international holiday as it was released worldwide
1: um i would like to say that's a universal holiday because people on c139 are probably listening to it as well
0: you're not wrong <laughs> have we shot Taylor Swift's music into space i know we did that with like the beatles and stuff but i'd like to submit that new year's day should also be so- shot into space
1: <laughs> oh we need to spread the love or you know the just the savagery that is this album not necessarily love although there are some gushy songs Oh,
0: okay. We have so much to say about this album, and we're going to talk about it a lot, because what else would you expect from us? Yeah. But I did want to talk about this other story first a little bit, because this is just kind of wild. So for those who aren't aware, neo-Nazis love Taylor Swift, which is just like a weird thing that happened. Um, It's been happening for the last few years, I think, is kind of like neo-Nazis basically decided that Taylor Swift is an Aryan goddess, that's a quote. Um, and that she is like very subtly like signaling to white nationalists that she is one of them.
1: And that she's like pushing this Aryan agenda because she like only has white friends and has only dated white guys. And I'm like, I don't what?
0: And this is my favorite part, that she is one day going to ascend to her throne as, like, Empress of America or something. And that she's going to be married to one of Donald Trump's sons. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, So, obviously, I don't think this is true. Um, I think that... Because they point to a lot of, like, frankly racist things that Taylor Swift has done. Um, And I don't mean racist as in, like, she hates black people. Racist as in, like... Like clueless, like, ignorant things that she's done, Um the things that she has done to perpetuate ideas of white supremacy, but I don't think that these have been, like, intentional decisions. things. She's just really rich and really famous, and so these actions, like, have a greater spread than the
1: average white person. Yeah. For example, her Wildest Dream music video.
0: Yeah. Um Which, for a refresher, took place in colonial Africa with not one African person to be seen. It was not a good look.
1: Yeah. No but in most likely she like didn't do that on purpose it was like she was just trying to emulate audrey hepburn
0: yeah and the whole like only dating white people like yeah like not not the best for like diversity in your love life but it's also like her her like love life diversity is not up for discussion like that's not something that is really called into question very often with most people that people do tend to date people of the same race
1: um and then when like i'm just like trying to point out this idea that no matter who you date people or no matter like people are gonna just always find things to complain about or like make an issue about like all the kardashians have dated like um guys of color and they like get crap for it too so it's just like you can't do anything right anymore
0: yeah and interracial dating and just like race dynamics and dating at all are like a really big topic uh, and not what we're getting into right now but the point is that like that's just like not a thing that's generally on trial for someone um but has has decided to count into the evidence of taylor swift as secretly a nazi uh which i don't agree with um didn't she
1: like publicly support
0: obama she did i believe she did support obama but she did not publicly support anyone in the 2016 election um Yikes. Now, here's, here's where Taylor Swift does have some culpability, in my personal opinion. One, she did not take any public stance in the 2016 election. Now, celebrities, not actually required to be political. A lot of celebrities choose to be apolitical. But she had gone through this thing in the past few years where she was positioning herself as this, like, feminist, like, women help women, like, girl power squad thing. Um... And so, with all of that, and then, like, not coming out against any of the really misogynistic things that were going on, um, choosing not to support anyone, was pretty not great, um, in my personal opinion. Like, I feel like she could have done good by talking about these issues and sort of putting her money where her mouth is, literally, um, with this idea of feminism and what she's talking about, um, and then the most recent thing that happened, which is someone on this blog called Pop Front, which is like this really obscure little pop culture blog that had like 80 followers before this happened, wrote an article called Swiftly to the Alt Right Taylor Swift Suddenly Gets the Lowercase KKK Information with Look What You Made Me Do. Okay. Okay, so there's a lot here. And in this article, This person who wrote this article does make some good points about the really problematic stuff that Taylor Swift has done and, like, her lack of disavowing the problematic things that people have put on her. Mm -hmm. Like, the lack of explicitly disavowing, like, white nationalism and these people who who are idolizing her, who are definitely doing things that she supposedly does not approve of. It's so basically this article is saying, like, either Taylor Swift publicly comes out against these people, or she is tacitly condoning them.
1: Yeah. So, that's not great. What do you think about this question? <sighs> I mean, honestly, I think she's just trying to, like, I know, like, it would probably be, like, best for, you know, everyone, because then it's like, you're getting rid of the, your neo-Nazi supporters and, like, everything, but, like... I can understand, I think, from a publicity point of view, like, that not saying anything is just, like, probably best. Um, Not necessarily to just, like, make a statement, but just to not make a statement. Because, like, people get more mad about what you say than what you don't say. I mean, that can be, like, not true for, like, a bunch of things, but I feel like in this case, especially when it comes to, like, I don't know, I just, I just, that's just my opinion.
0: I do personally believe that, like, in 2017... That being silent about this kind of thing is complicit in it perpetuating. I don't think that Taylor Swift is actually a Nazi. I don't think Taylor Swift is intentionally getting the quote-unquote lowercase KKK information. Like I don't. I really believe that she's very focused, like on making music and making money, and that's like her deal. Um, Which fair. She's a musician but i do like i do personally wish that she would come out and make a statement and i understand why she hasn't and i don't think it's because she secretly approves of it i think it's because she has an extremely particular brand and marketing strategy and mm-hmm. she is everything right now is about her album um and that this is like not the image that she wants to put out but what she did do is threaten to sue this blogger what that was ridiculous you don't think she should have sued I don't think she actually has sued, but um, I think she threatened to sue this blogger. She basically like sent an, like a cease and desist letter, I think, <laughs> um, and the ACLU was like, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of things in this article are, like, <laughs> leaps, to say the least, I don't think. I think it probably does go too far, but I think that, like, again, this was like a tiny article. I don't even know how Taylor Swift found out about this article. Um, maybe it was picking up traction even before she did anything, I'm not sure. But it just kind of feels like with all the stuff out there, to go after, like, this article in particular and decide that this was, like, the thing that needed her attention was maybe not the best move.
1: No. But let's, let's talk about the real, what everyone really wants to know about. Yeah. AKA
0: the songs.
1: Oh my god. Wait,
0: and I just want to put one disclaimer out there beforehand, because some might say, could enjoy it. and Jillian, like, I feel like you've taken a really hard stance, like, against these kind of problematic things on your podcast. So how can you discuss how you maybe think that, like, Taylor Swift is being problematic and should speak out more, but you're still, like, a huge fan of her? And to you, I say, leave me alone. <laughs> Let me live my life. No, but seriously, I think that, like, regardless of whether taylor swift is like a liar or not and whether she does like problematic white feminism things or not and like a lot of evidence points towards yeah she does everybody has their thing you know and my thing is taylor swift
1: and also like if we wanted to not support people who do problematic problematic things and like boycott their stuff then literally we we would be listening to no music watching be watching no videos no shows no anything because everyone does problematic things Yes. It is just the degree to which people do them. And she's just
0: more famous than almost anyone.
1: Yeah, exactly. Anyway, the rest of this episode is about the album. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't listened and you don't want any spoilers, then I suggest not listening to this part because we will be giving hella spoilers.
0: And if you think there can't be spoilers for
1: music, shh. <laughs> ha ha ha, you are wrong. Okay. What
0: did you like buy it right away? What were your first? Oh, I pre ordered this ish. Okay, I actually didn't. I was like, I'm gonna wait for it to go on Spotify. I lasted 36 hours almost to the second, and then I was like, no, I have to buy
1: it. Yeah, which is like a genius marketing ploy on her part. Yeah, it worked on me. Yeah, I know it's the people it's like it's like she's not going to convince the people who are like are definitely not going to buy her album and she already knows that the people who are going to buy her album are going to pre-order it so she does this to catch the middle of the road but she faked us out too because she kept releasing her singles
0: on spotify and i was like oh nice nice i can listen to when it comes out and then no and i was like yeah i'm not gonna wait for this and i just bought it (laughs) so first impressions
1: um i loved it i really did like it there were some so- some of the songs I, like, didn't really vibe with at first, but then, like, I listened to it, and then there's just, like, one or two lines I really liked, and then that automa- ad- automatically made me like the song. Like, yeah. King of Hearts, I didn't like at first, but now... Really? I That's really, one of my favorites. Really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't like it at first, but now I, like, like it.
0: My least favorite, I think, on the album is Endgame.
1: Which is really? weird, because
0: I love Ed Sheeran, but... First of all, I'm not as
1: into rap. I know you're into rap. Oh yeah, and couldn't... game was like my top three favorite on that. Album. Oh, that's so
0: interesting. But yeah, I just like I did I don't really I'm not super into the beat and all of that.
1: It's growing on me, but it was definitely like my least favorite on First Listen. Mm-hmm. I think I think my least favorite is dancing with your hand dancing with our hands tied.
0: Yeah, that wasn't one of my favorites either.
1: It's not that dancing with our hands tied was bad. It's just that it didn't stand out like the other ones did for me. Yeah, that's like fair. getaway car. Ugh, getaway car is what so a good. Oh yeah. my god. Wait, so what is your favorite? Ooh.
0: Don't blame me. Nice, nice, nice. I my favorite is New Year's Day. Mhm. I it's so deep. Oh my god. New Year's Day is the last song on the album and it's about like just loving someone and wanting to be with them forever through everything. Mm -hmm. And it's so peaceful and beautiful. And every time I listen to it, I just feel like I am at peace and it makes me feel like, it just reminds me of like all the love I have.
1: And, Oh yeah. I'm really into it. Did you hear the Jimmy Fallon story about that? Yes. Oh my God. So we always talk about Jimmy Fallon because that's like, he's like the namesake for our show because I was kind of one day I was like, I have mixed feelings about Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon's mom like passed away very recently. Um, And Taylor Swift was in New York, like, filming SNL. And they, like, know each other and are friends. So he, like, reached out and asked if she would, like, perform on his show. um, And she, like, said yes in a heartbeat. And it was funny because, like, he was talking about his mom and, like, what they did when, like, she was, like, what they did when he was a kid. And she said that, he said that, like, she would always squeeze his hand um, before they, like, cross streets or whatever.
0: Yeah, she would would squeeze his hand three times. Mm
1: -hmm. And then in the song, New
0: Year's Day... There's a line that says, He squeezed my hand three times in the back of the taxi.
1: Ah, and everyone lost it. It's so
0: touching. Um, and like, no one knew. Like, because no, that was the first time she played the song. Because the show was pre recorded, I believe. Yeah. So the album was out, I think, by the time that song. Um, by the time was, the episode was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no one had heard it yet. Um, which makes I, it, I really think that she played that song. Like, she heard that story and decided to play that song specifically for him because New Year's Day was supposed to premiere on, um, like, Thank God It's Thursday Night, which is, like, the Shonda Rhimes night, um, because they did have a special premiere that night, but I really think that, like, she decided specifically for him to play that because that song wasn't supposed to be premiered yet.
1: Yeah, no, she, like, did this specifically for him. Like, this was very, like, on a whim kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and then, um she yeah and apparently like when she did that when she s- sang that line just everyone started crying and i like i started crying reading about it and i'm like oh my god oh, yeah anyway so yeah new year's day is a beautiful song and it it's also so i know a lot about this album mm-hmm. um because i've not only listened to it a bunch but i've also read a bunch about it and so she's basically described it as it's it's sort of a linear progression not necessarily of timeline um but a feeling, and mm-hmm. so, like, the, f- the first few songs of the album are more how she was feeling um, when she, it, like, a while ago, and, like, the la- the end of the album is how she's feeling, like, now, and so mm-hmm. New Year's Day is the last song, and so it's really this, like, ending statement of just love and peace, mm-hmm. um, which I love, but also, like, 10 of these songs about are about her boyfriend, Joe Alwyn,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I, I have so many feelings about.
1: <laughs> Wait, it's just so funny because... The song Dress is like one of her more like, ooh, kind of songs. And there were so many conspiracy theories saying, like, oh my God, this is about Ed Sheeran. And then there were people saying, no, this is about Carly Kloss. Taylor Swift is coming out. And we were like, cool, but like, I don't, the song's about Joe.
0: Yeah, because there's some line about like the shape of you, which is one of the, not Taylor Swift,
1: one of Ed Sheeran's big songs. Like, it's about Ed Sheeran. I'm like, he didn't invent the phrase shape of you. Yeah. And then there was um, a part where it's like, I, um, don't want to love you as a best friend or something like that and they were like oh my god carly claus because taylor swift and carly claus are best friends yeah
0: but that and, and she has stated quite publicly that like basically all of these songs sponge will all win. but getaway car is like definitely about tom hiddleston oh really yeah i love kelvin so. No, none of the songs are about Calvin Amazing. That's the thing. Um which Yikes. is so savage. I love it. Um so she dated Calvin Harris for a year. A long like between, which is a long time in Taylor Swift time. Yeah, in between like the last two albums. But then she dated Tom Hiddleston for three months and then she's been with Joe Al- Alwyn for like almost a year now. And Getaway Car is about Tom Hiddleston and but oh, it's goodness. also like about a relationship being doomed from the start. And then there are a couple references to Tom Hiddleston and Calvin Harris throughout the album, but all, like, negative. And then just, like, every nice thing she has to say is about Joe Alwyn. And she clearly just loves him so much. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, apparently she's, like, did, like, a talk with, um, like, her fans or whatever. And she said, yeah, every romantic song on the song is about Joe. Taylor Swift does these secret sessions where she basically rounds up her superfans on Tumblr, where she's
0: the most active, um... She has her most active, like, correspondence with fans on Tumblr, and basically brings them to her house or goes to people's houses and just plays all her songs on piano and guitar for them and, like, tells them behind-the-scenes stuff about the lyrics. And and so she told all of them that, like, yeah, like, all these songs are about Joe. What's up? Oh, my God. I love it. What's also interesting is the first single that she released from the album is Look What You Maybe Do, which I can understand why she released that first, because she wanted to make a splash, and she, like, had this vision for the music video, I'm sure, and she wanted to be, like, really, like, burst Mm -hmm. into attention-grabbing. But it's really misleading as a first single from
1: the album. The album is nothing like this song. And I think she, like, did that on purpose, because it's, like, all about reputation, right?
0: yeah oh she is a genius this was so carefully calculated she made everyone think this was just gonna be like a petty like diss track spill the tea i'm not a youth i don't know what i'm saying um but it's really an album about how much she loves this person and like how much growth that she's gone through and there are a couple songs that are like and i mean look what she made me do and this is why we can't have nice things and to to a smaller extent uh, i did something bad or like the three songs that are kind of like about past feuds but really the rest of it is is really a much more like personal i'm mean, mature take on things um and i really appreciate that and even even the song like this is why we can't have nice things like there's a bit of like laughing and kind of mocking like people who have wronged her but it's also very much an appreciation like this is for my real friends like this is for my baby this is for my mom like
1: yeah and this is this was about like Kanye and kim kardashian yeah so (laughs) yeah yeah. this is the song about Kanye. um and so that that
0: was like less mature i guess but i feel like it it was very much framing it in a like well moving on i guess and not in in a like getting stuck down um in what that is i also just have a couple of thoughts about taylor swift's musical arc in terms of our arc in college Mm -hmm. because her last album 1989 came out our freshman year of college, mm-hmm. like "Shake It Off," I remember listening to like my first week when I was on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, when I mean, that was the first single from the album, and then and this album comes out nearing the end of our first semester of senior year, and so it's it's really this bookending experience of nineteen eighty nine is the beginning and Reputation is the end, and that is so resonant for me in so many ways because I feel like 1989 was a really important album for for me and like a lot of the songs were emotionally important to me and and I empathize with them in a lot of ways but it was very much 1989 I feel like is this album that's that's someone who has gone through some stuff and like believes that they know a lot more than maybe they actually do and even, like the lead single "Shake It Off" is like, oh, like I can just shake off my problems. Like you can't touch me. And I and I feel like that was very much the attitude that I had freshman year, um, and this very much philosophy towards life and like a lot of the songs on there. And I believed that like I knew a lot more than I did. But then reputation is first of all the maturity of it and also the stability of it, but also this general sense of like things are going to continue to be bad and like, that's going to be okay. And I like, I have people that I can get through this with and this is just life and we move on and this is what life is. And
1: all of this is just so resonant for me in my life Mm -hmm. and two things one apparently dress which is like one of her sultry songs because it's like ooh, you can you can look up the song um (laughs) apparently er, her dad like at the pre-recording or whatever her dad like left the room when she played it because he was just so uncomf. (laughs) yeah i believe that i don't blame him though no me neither Um, she's a 27 year old woman but all right (laughs) I know, but, like, I don't know. I feel like a dad's, like, you're always going to be, like, their kid. Yeah, I I would want my dad to leave the room, too, if I played that song. Yes. Like, when Mila Kunis was talking about how, like, she doesn't let her parents watch the movie Friends with Benefits. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, um, so 1989 is weird for me because, I don't know, I really like 1989, and I think it's still my favorite Taylor Swift album. Before 1989 came out, Fearless was my favorite Taylor Swift album, but I still really like 1989. Um, And I think it's funny because just, like, I don't know, I when 1989 came out, I had just, like, broken up with, like, a long-ish term relationship with my boyfriend, and, like, I was, like, kind of sad, and, like, a lot of the songs were just, like, oh, all you had to do was stay, like, I wish you would, like, all these, like, you know, like, longing, like, ah, songs, um, and, like, Reputation's all about, like, being happy in, like, your current relationship, and I'm like, hmm, interesting. Yep. This is where I am. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I mean, that's a similar thing to me with, like, outgoing too much detail. 1989 came out as I was entering a really unstable relationship Mm -hmm. that would that would continue for like a long time and so and so a lot of those songs like both the happy and the sad were like the soundtrack to that relationship in a really unstable way Mm -hmm. um and so like i and now i'm in a a very good like stable relationship and so the reputation is much more the soundtrack of my life right now
1: yeah wow queen we were both in stable happy relationships who would have thought yeah not me <laughs> <laughs> so least favorite song in the album or did we kind of go over that yeah
0: i think that i think the end game is probably my least favorite just because yeah. it just doesn't gel with me as much
1: yeah so it goes or dancing with our hands died is probably my least favorite
0: Yeah, those are just, like, less memorable songs. Like, there are 15 songs in this album, which is kind of a lot. Um, yeah, as there
1: should be, because she (laughs) held back from music for a long time. She used to release an album, like, every two years, but it has been three years. Yeah, but it was worth it. Oh, it was definitely worth it. I understand why she waited. Yeah.
0: Also, can you imagine if this album came out, like, during the 2016 election? That would have been a terrible time for this album to come out.
1: Oh, yeah. And also, like, that was, like, around the time when all of her, like, emotional personal life was kind of falling apart and so yeah.
0: she really needed to like have this good relationship with joe if she had released an album a year ago i feel like it would have been a
1: lot worse and a
0: lot and no one would scarier. have bought it i yeah. thought yeah yeah and
1: also like i don't know it's just like nice because like she's take she's like low-key takes the high road in this album i think and she like okay yeah she like calls out exes and like the kardashian wests but like whatever
0: it's in a much less pronounced way than I think we've been led to expect.
1: Yeah. Um, Based off of, look at what you made me do.
0: Yeah. And even some of her previous albums where she's, like, taken a lot more time to talk about,
1: you know, like, bad blood and all that stuff. And Innocent. But Innocent was, like, a very forgiving song about Kanye.
0: Yeah, that was a weird song. But then even back in, like, the Sparks Fly era, which is the era that literally no one remember... Sorry, speak now... <laughs> See, I can't remember the name of the album. That's the album that everyone always forgets because it wasn't very good. Um, and then she had that song that was like better than Revenge. And
1: no, that
0: was a bad time. She's also very young then. Um, I
1: really Speak Now. I didn't think that was that bad.
0: I think it was fine, but I don't think it really had any of the standouts that her other albums have had or any of the really color. Red was better than Speak Now. Oh yeah, Red is great. <laughs> Jolie and I have now been talking about Taylor Swift for like half an hour, and a lot of it is just not even going in the show because
1: it quickly became very irrelevant. But we're just going to stop now, I think. Yeah, there's a part where we just started singing like random Taylor Swift lyrics that fit nowhere into the conversation. It's fine. It's whatever.
0: Anyway, um, it's been great talking to you about all this. Yeah. Keeping it, keeping it light this week because I'm so sick. Yes. Um, I'm going to go take some medicine.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to go to my econ class. Great. As one does.
0: Um, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at MixedFeelingsFM, where you can also send us a DM if you want. You can also find us online at Relay.FM slash MixedFeelings, where you can find our show notes, or there's a contact form if you want to send us a
1: email. You can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Julian Parker. Thanks for talking with me today, Quinn and making it out here sort of (laughs) thank you for talking with me jillian Uh, always a pleasure even though you're sick but it's fine i'm i'm jillian parker i'm quinn rose and these were our mixed feelings